Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Greetings and welcome to this bonus episode of Under Consultation, the episode-by-episode podcast-type situation through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, looking forward to that Jaguar 2. Oh, and bundled with a game of your choice for £179, depending on retailer... I am Ash Versus. We both went for Jaguar jokes. <laughs> yeah, of course we are. It's the punchline. Uh, so this is a little bonus episode. Swerve. I know last week we said that it was going to be uh, the wrap-up episode, but with timings being slightly delayed, mostly because I kept forgetting to put the bumper in asking for feedback. Feedback is coming in a little bit later than usual. So we're doing this little bonus episode here, which we had kind of talked about a little bit last week, because you were going through the uh, the magazines... And there was this kind of like, not pullout, although it feels like a pullout, just this section within Games Master Magazine called the 1996 Buyer's Guide. Yeah, it's a, it's a very much like kind of a witch guide for your home computer or more specifically, your gaming needs. It's looking at all the current consoles that are available and what their future may hold in 1996. Now, I say all your current consoles because there are a few notable absences. Well, one notable absence uh the nintendo 64 ultra 64 whatever you want to call it is nowhere to be seen yeah because it's not going to be available to buy as of yet because this is literally like telling you here are bundles you can get here's the prices you might expect and buy them for it almost feels like a like if games master if that issue of games master magazine was the first magazine issue that you'd bought and you don't own a single console this is very much the case of this is a good place to start here are some add-ons you can get for it. Here are some bundles you can get. Here are the best games to buy for it, games to avoid. And yeah, as you mentioned earlier, kind of like what to expect for the rest of the year. There's like a future, there's some titles to look out for, and the likelihood that it will be round by Christmas 1996. Now, there are eight separate systems covered in this buyer's guide. 
I reckon at least two of them are there as page fillers. One of them definitely is. Yeah, I kind of get the same feeling as well. Like, I appreciate that they're there. uh, But, you know, when you kind of look at Games Master Series 5, it really feels like there are three consoles to choose from. And that is the Super Nintendo, the PlayStation, and the Sega Saturn. Yeah, there were a couple of Mega Drive reviews in there, but like there were no big Mega Drive challenges or anything like that. No like big Mega Drive previews or anything like that. Like there at least was stuff based around the Super Nintendo and like challenges on it and reviews and features and whatnot. And then of course, you know, it's the Saturn and it's the PlayStation. And then of course there's the PC as well. But so from the console base, I think it's just those three. And yet here, this is a buyer's guide that does include the, the 3DO and the Jaguar and the Amiga. It's okay. The Jaguar could just be there to be, you know, a bit of a a bit of a giggle, really. But it's the Amiga being there in yeah. 1996. I mean, talk about your death rattle. That's really where this is at. Uh, almost as much, if not more so, than the Jaguar. Well, we will get to that because we're going to go through each console one at a time, looking at what Games Master had to say, having a bit of a look at what else was going on in 1996 for that particular platform, and, yeah, having a bit of a nose around. Welcome to Xenon 2 by the Midland Brothers. Well, let's kick things off with the Games Master Guide to the Amiga. Uh, so we've got here we've got bundles with a word processor, database organizer, Turbo Calic, Personal Paint, Photogenics, Pinball Mania, and Wiz. It's actually, you know, this is the thing I'd say with the Amiga is, you know, that's 400 quid for all of that, which does seem pricey, but wait till we get to the PC section. And that's kind of like what this Amiga thing feels like here. It's almost like if you haven't got the money to get a PC, here is a good option for you. Though that PC will be a much better investment because you'll be able to have Windows 95 and all that sort of stuff. And it, it it's interesting you mentioned the price because this is not the Commodore Amiga. Commodore went nipples north in 1994 and the A1200 pretty much disappeared at that point. Uh, was bought, saved, and relaunched by a company called ESCOM. And this is the kind of the the ESCOM Amiga 1200. That 399 price tag is almost £150 higher than what Commodore was selling the A1200 for two years earlier. So, it I mean, it is still a lot for your money. But also, how £150 higher? Why £150 higher? And again, this is in the face of the PC revolution that is coming. Something that is far more flexible, far more expandable, far more standardised and upgradable. I think that's the key. Upgradable. The Amiga does have some upgrades and some add-ons. That's not to discredit it completely. But you're still within, for the most part, that all-in-one keyboard chassis, which is something I love. And there were some desktop and tower Amigas that came around and, you know, different different variants there because I know someone will write in. But the core Amiga experience was that all-in-one keyboard unit. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was saying. Like, this is a good 
it's it's a good option if you haven't got the money to get a pc but like that pc is an investment because there's so much more that you can do with it you know they list kind of the the add-ons you can get like a cd drive the joysticks hard drives external disk drives and all this sort of stuff but that's just adding on to your price you know your cd drive an extra 200 quid you can get uh, an external disk drive that's 50 quid you can get ram upgrades for 250 quid and really like when you kind of like put all of that together you may as well just spend that money on a pc and not only will we be able to get like the top five games that are available here for the amiga but also a whole load of games that are coming your way you wouldn't need to play doom clones you could just play doom That's and exactly you'd still it. get I, i'm just looking down the list of games that are listed for their top five for the amiga canon fodder 2 That'll be on the PC. Mm -hmm. Sensible World of Soccer. That'll be on the PC. It's also available on the Mega Drive and all this sort of stuff as well, yeah. Syndicate. Available on the PC. Also, I think probably the Mega Drive, maybe, I think it was. Must have been, yeah. Lots of different ways to play Syndicate. But if we're just talking Amiga versus PC. Mm -hmm. Worms. On the PC. And Gloom. I actually don't know if that was available on the PC, but again, see prior comments about Doom and Doom 2 and Ultimate Doom and Final Doom. And very soon, Quake. Yeah, like, I mean, Quake gets mentioned later on in this thing. You know, it's, it writes here, chances of being around next Christmas, pretty non-existent. Well, Abscom have plans for new Amigas that draw ever nearer to PCs, but it seems that most people have lost interest in it by now. Abscom are committed to it, though, so there could be new machines wowing everyone late next year or early 97. Could be too late by then, though. Narrator? The A1200 was finally discontinued in 1996 as the parent company folded. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think that pretty non-existent line about being around next Christmas was fairly accurate. And even, you know, we have, like, future games to watch out for. They don't really list many times. It just says, well, it's like this, you see. Hardly anyone is developing Amiga stuff anymore. There are a few obscure Doom clones on the way, but unless you own an accelerated Amiga, it's not worth playing them. Apart from that, and Z-Wolf 2, of course, there's nothing big on the horizon. So if I'm a punter looking at this, I think I'd probably be looking to buy one secondhand rather than buying one that's brand new, or even just like waiting a couple of years and just picking one up then. Yeah, don't get me wrong. An Amiga, particularly in the coming years, you will be able to get boxes and boxes of games from the classified ads. You will be able to have the absolute run of a very, very large, expansive library of games. Great games as well. But you're not going to be up to date. Yeah. Uh, The verdict, the Amiga has been around for a hell of a long time and it's done well. The relaunched Amiga is just too expensive to compete with the likes of the PlayStation and Saturn and there is no way the games can match those systems. By the looks of it, the Amiga could well die out this year unless Epscom do something big and fast. Narrator, they didn't. And they didn't. No, unfortunately not. Uh, However, do you know what? It's actually quite wonderful to see the Amiga here represented in 1996. Bearing in mind, like, that was the big thing back in Series 1. It just kind of shows the big evolution that we've had from Series 1 through to now going into Series 6. I mean, just to remember one of our early favourite challenges, Heimdall. That was an an Amiga. Every episode of Games Master Series 1, the review section was dominated by Amiga games. Most of the challenges were Amiga games. And one that interests me, actually, just before we we leave the Amiga to its fate. Games to avoid. 
Alien Breed 3D, fair enough. Sensible Golf, mm, fair enough. Not the best game to hold the sensible name. Shadow Fighter, okay. Number five, the Amiga port of Primal Rage, also okay. Yeah, there were no good ports of Primal Rage. Number four, Zool. I was so surprised by this, considering how much they were into Zool back in Series 2. They had a Games Master specific level made. How quickly the tide turns, and now it's like, we've got the PlayStation Fuck that alien ninja ant guy. We yeah. don't need him around. Yeah, real, real shame. Sega! So we move into Games Master's Guide to the Sega Mega Drive. And look at this, Ash. As a bundle here, the Mega Drive 2 with Euro Club Soccer, 70 quid! You can get it with Super Kickoff for 70 quid. You can get it with The Lion King for 100 quid. And then you get the lovely, like, Mega Games collections. So you've got Mega Drive 2 with Italia Cup 90, Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, Revenge of Shinobi, Super Hang On, and Columns for 100 quid. That is a pretty good price, particularly because it comes with an excellent library of games that you'll probably be able to pick up pretty cheap now yeah i'm i mean by now you mean 1996 because yes. now now, oh, now cex no. are fleecing us through the arsehole for them yeah um, okay i mean fuck that place for trying to sell copies of sonic the hedgehog for 10 quid absolutely fuck off tell us how you really feel papa luke it was fucking free it was as you know people used to have a pop at us at game station for selling choo choo rockets like as a single release yeah because they were like it was a free game with the Dreamcast. And I was like, I know, but we're selling it. We have to sell it as a single thing, which we haven't got Dreamcast to sell it with. We're selling it for 99p. Like, I know that's probably a ripoff, but it's 99p. So at least we had the goal to do it for as cheap as possible. CEX was selling that for like 10, 15 quid. Pricks. It's a great deal in 1996. I am amazed by the price difference between the Euro Club, the Super Kickoff, and the Lion King, they really didn't think much of Euro Club or Super Kickoff. They were really third-run games. Very much so, yeah. I mean, like, you know, Lion King is still not relatively new because it's probably a couple of years old at this point. But I, I, I think you can compare that. Lion King, nice big release, big Disney title. Compare that to the Mega Game 6 collection, which has got six games with it, including three absolute bangers in there. Golden Axe, Streets of Rage and Revenge of Shinobi. Mega Games 2 was one of my favorite releases on the Mega Drive. I my friend had it and we used to go around to his and like just switch between Golden Axe and Streets of Rage 2 all the time and then like pass the bad back and forth to play Revenge of Shinobi. And even, you know, on the lower scale of games on that collection, Columns, that's a good bit of fun. It's not quite Tetris, but you can still have a bit of a laugh with that. Love the music on Columns as well. But much like the Amiga, of course, there are add-ons available for the Mega Drive because, Luke, for £99, you can get a 32X. Yeah, well, this is where it starts to make the Mega Drive feel a bit sad. Because you, you'd said that like the Amiga there was the death rattle. 
bloody hell, these are like the life support systems trying to keep the Mega Drive afloat that just are not working here. And the price tags on them are still really high. The 32X is still 100 quid. Mega CD is still 100 quid. So suddenly you're 70 quid, or let's be honest, let's call it 100 quid, because you're either getting the Lion King bundle or you're getting the Mega Games collection, which is what you'd go for and I think what I'd go for. 100%. You want the 32X because you like mushrooms, probably. So boom, 200 quid. You want the Mega CD because Night Trap, Night, it's a Night Trap baby, £300. How much was the Saturn again? How much was the PlayStation again? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's when you start to get to those prices that you're like, oh, yeah, I may as well just use that money and get the new thing as opposed to spending the same amount of money on the old thing, despite the fact that you have got a great library of games to get for it. And the one accessory listed in add-ons, which makes me think again, we had some column inch left to fill. The action replay by Daytel. Now, don't get me wrong. I had an action replay for the snares. I bloody loved my action replay. It let me turn people all sorts of colours in Street Fighter 2 and break games in interesting ways. It's not really a key add-on, is it? No, absolutely not. It's about as relevant an add-on as the Mega CD, because they're very disparaging of the Mega CD here. They're right, this turns your Mega Drive into a CD player that also plays CD games. However, there's an awful lot of very, very bad Mega CD stuff out there. Stuff like Thunderhawk and Eternal Champion CD is worth looking at if you buy one of these, though. There's like two games listed there that they would recommend buying, and that's 100 quid. And also, if we're just going to go for the aesthetic thing here, this is the Mega Drive 2. This is the Mega CD 2. Luke, I am not a fan of of the twos never liked the mega drive 2 design never liked the cd on the side the one of the things i really liked about the mega cd the original one is that it makes your mega drive look like a little mini hi-fi well that's the whole idea with the uh where you get the mega cd you get the mega drive you get the 32x you have the tower the of tower. power i love that i think that design is really nice this design not so nice because you put the you put the 32x into there it ruins the aesthetic of it and the aesthetic weren't all that to begin with. Although I will say the Mega Drive 2 they show here is, I think, one of the import ones because the colour yeah. scheme is nicer. It's kind of like grey and black and it doesn't look quite as cheap, just red and black. The Mega Drive 2 looks like a knockoff. Good five games to recommend here. Earthworm Jim 2, Story of Thor, Micro Machines 96, Zombies Ate My Neighbours and Mortal Kombat 3. You're going to hear the name Mortal Kombat 3 a lot in this episode, by the way, because... Of course you are. That's what Series 5 was like. But when they write about the future, this is hard to read as a Mega Drive fan. In one word, bleak. This is the last Christmas at the top for the Mega Drive as next year, the next-gen consoles really take over. Even Sega's masterful marketing can't pull this one back from the brink. We'll still do well in the second-hand market, though. It's worth getting hold of a cheap one to play some of the better games once in a while. So that's a, that's a good point there. It's less I would recommend going out and buying a new one. See if you can pick one up second hands because there will be people trying to sell off a huge bundle of a Mega Drive and a bunch of games because they're trying to get some money to buy a PlayStation or a Saturn. And I think that's well worth your money, particularly if you get one with like all the Sonic games on it. And there was obviously still some games being released into 1996 for the Mega Drive, but in Japan, Sega cut the cord. Support for the Mega Drive ended. Uh, elsewhere in the corporation, Tom Kalinske announced he was going to leave his position at Sega in, on October the 1st. Also at some other point during 1996, the 32X was also discontinued. And bizarrely, the Master System 2 was also discontinued in 1996, to which my thought was, 
I didn't know it had lasted that long. Yeah, it hung around for a long time to the Master System. I want to pick up on one of the games they mentioned in this, though, a Story of Thor, otherwise known as Beyond Oasis. This actually had a prequel released for the Saturn this year, like in 1996. There was a game called The Legend of Oasis that came out the same year that Games Master magazine is going, hey, this is one of our games to recommend for the Mega Drive. This feels weird. And also, much like the Amiga, I'm looking down this list of games. Mortal Kombat 3, you'll be able to play that on a bunch of different platforms. Micro Machines will come out for the PlayStation eventually. Um, Did we get an Earthworm Jim collection for the PlayStation? No, because we get Earthworm Jim 3D. Ooh, okay. There are some great games, but oh, there is Earthworm. You can play Earthworm Jim 2 on a PC as well. Yeah, and actually, you know what? Zombies Ate My Neighbors is just better on the SNES. In the same way that um, Smash TV is better on the SNES, Zombies is just much better on the Super Nintendo. It, the, the, like, I think this is not a great list to recommend for Mega Drive games. Granted, they're all new games, so I get it from that aspect, but like, if I think if you're recommending mega drive games you're going to recommend some of the really big titles that would be like these are games you can pick up now that are actually pretty cheap like a sonic 2 i think should be on this list yeah sonic 2 absolutely uh the future games to watch out for uh toy story yeah which we had that feature of fairly recently sega version of the new disney computer graphics extravaganza is set to turn a lot of heads early next year the previous disney games have all done well and deservedly so there is also talk of more sega arcade games hitting the 32x now of these titles to avoid have you played any of them bob is one that i have played before and i also played power rangers the movie um because it's Power Rangers, and uh, you know, I like I liked Power Rangers at the time. So, like, it was one of those games that I didn't play in 1995 or in 1996, but I did emulate many years later. Um, I think that Mega- Power Rangers the movie is the one they massively dogged on in Series Four, wasn't it? It's, it's genuinely one of the worst games I have ever laid eyes on. Uh, the animation is awful. The graphics are terrible. The gameplay is tedious and repetitive. It is like double dragon on Valium. And justifiably so, it's fairly cack. It's pretty cack. Super Skid Marks, I haven't actually played, but I've got it now because I've got it on the Evercase. Of course. Nah, that'd be interesting to play and see which version they've based it on because Super Skid Marks did come out on a couple of different platforms. Yeah, I haven't actually booted that one up yet, but um, it's because it's on the Codemasters collection because every time I boot up the Codemasters collection, I just immediately go to Megalomania. As is right and proper. How are you doing on that? Oh, I love Megalomania. I had Megalomania on the Mega Drive back in the day, as we've talked about in this podcast before. So I am quite... I, I, I do love busting out some Megalomania. Also, that has got a fucking brilliant soundtrack as well. It really, really does. That is due a vinyl release. That that should get a proper remaster. Get that on some cool splatter effect or a picture disc of the cover artwork. Yeah. Are you listening, Data Discs? I know you're listening. If you're listening, also send us stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the verdict here. The Mega Drive has enjoyed its time, but is now looking woefully inadequate when compared to the new systems. Even the SNES fares better against them. It was a good machine with some good, if overpriced games, and providing you don't get the Mega CD turkey as well, you've got a good, cheap system. They're not wrong, because, just looking at those prices again, 
you can get a Mega Drive 2 and Euro Club Soccer for 70 quid or the other bundles for 100. What do you reckon you could get for 100 quid second hand from the classified section of a Mega Drive 1? How many games? How many unboxed games? That's what I mean. It's people trying to get together some coffers so that they can go and buy a PlayStation or a Saturn. Both probably a PlayStation, really. So yeah, you could easily get a great deal on the second-hand market with, as you mentioned, a bunch of games. And you'll probably get some absolute bangers in there as well, including probably Micro Machines. Maybe not 96, but you might probably get Micro Machines too. Yeah, easily. And the first Earthworm, Jim. It does remind me, because my first computer, as I think we talked about way back in Series 1, was the Amstrad CPC 464. I started with the 8-bit computer era, just dreaming of a console. But in addition to the kind of budget tapes and the cover discs, as we kind of ventured out of the 80s into the 90s, I would sometimes get as like birthday presents or something, or maybe at the start of the summer holidays, is my mum would see like... Amstrad software for sale in the back of the local paper, or maybe even Amstrad CPC 464 with tons of games for sale, and would pick it up, flip the CPC 464 just with a couple of games that I already had, and then just like, boom, here's a cardboard box full of games. There were games, you know, I'd get a box of 20, 30 games, some of them legitimate, some of them copies, some of them would load, some of them wouldn't. But I encountered some of my absolute favorite memories of that era of gaming from those boxes just from basically getting other people's clear outs because those people were now looking to buy i guess at the time an amiga 500 or 600 or going in for the mega drive or maybe starting to look towards the super nintendo yeah we had a very similar story in our house i think we talked about this before but like our first console at home you know to, to speak was the the c64 and i'm pretty sure we got that off my uncle with like a box of games and we just played through those games all the time. Love playing on the C64. And that was until I then got my Mega Drive. Ah, but over the page, it's my boy. It is, yeah. I think Games Master is a lot kinder here to the SNES than they are to the Mega Drive. Particularly, I think, because, you know, we haven't got the Ultra 64 yet. So they're kind of like pushing this as a, hey, if you're a Nintendo fan, this is still really good to hold on to. And you know what? With these bundles, I'm not surprised. Because we were saying there's that Mega Drive one was 70 quid if you want to get Super Kickoff or Euro Club Soccer. Games you're not going to be really that asked about. So your standalone SNES is only 60 quid. You can get a SNES with Starwing. Oh, yeah. For 80 quid. You know, for that extra tenner, not only do you get probably a better console, but you get one of the best games on the on the system. And... Just like 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 just like a Pavlovian response. You've mentioned Starwing, and all I can hear in my head is done, 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 done. Just that first level music and that vibe, and I'm like, I'm ready to go, Luke. I'm ready to go kick some space monkey butt. Similarly, with the Mario All Stars bundle, eighty quid. There's five games there. One of which, I oh know that won't have Super Mario World on it. That'll just have the the original uh, Mario one, two, and three and lost levels. I would yeah. imagine because it would probably would have said Plus World, wouldn't it? Yeah, but even so, that's still not just kind of your straight upscales. Those are great ports, great conversions, really, really brought the games up and made them feel part of the modern Mario world. That's 80 quid. You chuck an extra 15 quid on, you've got that game and a FIFA. It doesn't say which FIFA, but I'm going to presume it's 95. Let's be honest, for 95 quid, any FIFA is a good FIFA. Yeah. The only thing is that bundle... And I'm going to assume it would. It better come with two controllers. 
yeah, I don't know. Like, cause I, I, I can't remember which, cause I've got my, the SNES I have in the garage is the boxed one. And that comes with Mario All-Stars plus world. And that was a release that was a hundred quid. Like, mm. cause it's got like printed on the box, ninety nine ninety nine as part of the design. And I'm trying to think if that has a second controller with it. God, I cannot remember now. I need to dig that out actually. Cause so- it's in really good Nick. So if it does, happy days, you've got FIFA, Mario All-Stars, you've got some good single and some good multiplayer. If not, 94 quid plus whatever it costs to get a second controller. If you don't particularly like your friends, get a third-party one. Exactly, yeah. And lastly in the bundles, we want to give yourself another 15 or so quid. 111.99 gets you the SNES and Donkey Kong Country, which I feel like is a bit of a... It's, it's not like a bad deal or anything, but I think with Donkey Kong Country 2 out, like as a brand new release, I think, you know, charging you an extra 60 quid for the standalone SNES plus Donkey Kong Country feels like a bit of a jip, to be honest. I would. If I had the 112 quid, I would probably still go for the FIFA and All-Stars collection and either get that second controller or maybe see if there was something else available cheap. Maybe, maybe a used copy of Mario World because then I've got all of them. Or used copy of Street Fighter... No, Street Fighter 2 is going to cost more than 16 quid. Well, here's what I would do. I would actually save that money and then try and get a little bit more, because in the add-ons here, this add-ons is so much better than what you get for the Mega Drive. Of course, you've got the action replay from Daytel and the four-player multi-tap from Hudson Soft. It's this Super Game Boy for 50 quid. Super Game Boy. It's only 50 quid to get the Super Game Boy, which then opens up the entire Game Boy library as well. And that essentially just doubles the amount of games you can get on your system. And Game Boy games, you know, pretty soon get dirt cheap. Although, funny you should mention the Game Boy because we get two new consoles from Nintendo this year because the Game Boy Pocket launches. And that mofo sticks around. It really does, yeah. Because like Game Boy is still doing great numbers. Game Boy is just one of those systems, and then you would get to say the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Pocket and things like that. It just ex- like actually extended the lifespan of the Game Boy, unlike you know what the Mega Drive had with the the thirty two X, which effectively actually just killed it dead. And it was it was odd because I was looking through this and I was looking through the timeline of nineteen ninety six and I saw about the Game Boy Pocket coming out, and then I was looking at the RG three five one. We both got one, the vertical one, mm. and I realised. It isn't a Game Boy form. It's a Game Boy Pocket form. The mm. lines of it are the Game Boy Pocket, not the Game Boy, because you can tell by the difference in texturing. And I think that's one reason why I like it so much. It's Don't get me wrong. I loved the Game Boy and I loved having my original Game Boy. But the Game Boy Pocket for me, I really liked because it fit on the inside of my school mm. blazer. The Game Boy Pocket was just small enough that it would tuck in there and not be immediately noticeable. Like, teachers wouldn't go, what are you hiding in there? It, it would just, like, be, oh, pencil case, probably. It was, it's always quite satisfying, isn't it, to have those quite miniature things. Like, I absolutely loved the Game Boy Advance SP because it was just so wonderfully small, but still felt like it packed a punch. Yeah, and clip, snapshot. Yeah, that and the micro one as well. Oh, so, so, that was so satisfying to hold in your hand. Yeah, I mean, that's why I still have a lot of love for the RG351V or just taking my Vita, which is sat right in front of me with me, because particularly in winter, just fits in a coat pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, top five games you can get for this, fairly similar to what you get on the Mega Drive, actually. Mortal Kombat 3, Earthworm Jim 2, but number three, 
motherfucking <laughs> doom is there uh and then issd at number four and batman forever at number five I'm not sure i put batman forever in there because i don't actually think it's a very good game it's big bright and cartoony but i did look at that and go okay not well, the, not sure on that one i mean also, international that's, superstar that's batman, but also that's not batman forever that's the adventures of batman and robin you're bloody right it is so do they mean the adventures of batman and robin or do they mean Batman Forever? Well, The Adventures of Batman and Robin is a better game because Batman Forever is the one that's Mortal Kombat but a platformer and yeah. is really, really nails to play. That at least one is nice and colourful and actually is a bit more fun to play. Not that it's great or anything. Meanwhile, over in the titles to avoid, Zoop, that's the second time that one's appeared. <laughs> yeah. Power Drive Valley? Now, I was trying to think, is that the one that we had the challenge on in Series 4? I can quickly look. Yep, quick check of the notes there. That is the one that we had in Series 4. One of our actual favourite challenges there because everyone f***ed it. Maybe that's why they put it as a game to avoid. It's just like, we're f***ing sh- at it. We just don't like it. We don't think it's a good game because we don't like it. Uh, number three is Pinball Fantasies, which I'd imagine is probably just, it's better on the Amiga. Yep. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Ah, Star Trek games have always had a difficult time apart from the point-and-click games on the PC, which are just ace. And again, in the turkey position here, Primal Rage just cannot get a good home port of that game. Uh, Of the future, they write, well, Nintendo still have plans to release new games for the SNES in 96, but you can't help feeling that they are concentrating more on gearing up for the launch of the Ultra 64 in September. Womp womp. Don't throw away your machine yet, though, because although there may not be many games coming out for it, what there are... Hold, sorry, I'm going to read this verbatim. Don't throw away your machine yet, though, because although there may not be many games coming out for it, what there are are brilliance. Okay, I see, I see what it is now. RRR. RRR brilliance, yeah, yeah. yeah. What there are, what there comma. are, comma, are brilliant. And yeah, they're not wrong, because future games to watch for... Yoshi's Island. Ooh, Yoshi's Island is a banger. Super Mario World 2, which makes it Super Mario Brothers 5? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it, it does get a bit confusing, because, okay, Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, 3, but Super Mario Brothers 4 is Super Mario World, but Super Mario World 2 is Yoshi's Island. Oh, uh, well, let's not get into the Super Mario Advance series, because then that is like Super Mario Advance 4, Yoshi's Island 2, or Super Mario... I think it's like Super Mario Advance... For Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. Oh god, we need a 3D rendering engine just to get the relationship database on this one. Uh, but also, uh, speaking of relations, Donkey Kong Country 2. Can there be more members of the Donkey Kong clan? Of course there are. There are games to be sold. Exactly. And, you know, Donkey Kong Country 3 will also be out for the SNES before its life is over. Uh, they write here, everyone should have a SNES somewhere in their house, if only to play those incredible Mario games. Without doubt, the best 16-bit gaming platform around. And now that the next generation's here, you can get machines and games very cheaply. Check out the classified ads in your local paper. SNES Plus games for 30 quid? One of the machines you should always keep a classic. That line in that verdict should also be for the Amiga and the Mega Drive, which 100%. is actually say, check the classified ads. Don't be buying this new. Although, Ash, what you could buy new if you can still get hold of one. It's the Atari Jaguar. You're right. You could buy this new. Would you? Well, let's look. I mean, as should we see? I mean, maybe the price is right for it. How much will a Jaguar set me back? 
£179 with a game of your choice or £149 standalone. Yeah, and it does have that uh, caveat there of depending on the retailer, which I think is less about the price and more about whether they've actually got them in stock. Yeah. Oh, poor Atari Jaguar. Yeah. I mean, hey, you could also get the the Jaguar CD add-on for it as well for another £150. So that's £150 for the CD with £179 for the Jaguar and a game. And sorry, Ash, how much was that PlayStation again? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But we look at the top five games, Doom, so many things you can play it on. You can play it on the bloody SNES. You could buy a SNES with FIFA and Mario All-Stars and a copy of Doom for the SNES for about the same, if not less, than the Jaguar and one game. And there's no guarantee that one game would be Doom. I was going to say, and while the port of Doom to the Jaguar is probably the best home port that's not on a PC, the SNES one ain't half bad. No. No, not at all. Uh, Tempest 2000, probably one of the good exclusives on the Jaguar, but it is, you know, no offence to the many, many fans of Tempest 2000. It is just Tempest. And it's like Tempest 2000 is a game that lives and, not lives and dies, but it is like remembered more fondly, I think, for its soundtrack than its game itself. And you you can play Tempest different ways now anyway. And even yeah. then you could play Tempest different ways. Uh, number three, Alien versus Predator. The PC version is superior and will be coming later on, or if not out already, I can't remember. But can't basically, remember, yeah. don't worry about it. There'll be other Alien and Predator games. Number four, Wolfenstein. Again, CPC and even SNES, although no blood and the Nazi thing toned way down. Five, Rayman. Lots of different ways you can play that. PlayStation, PC, Saturn. Like This list is quite sad to look at here because, you know, Doom, Temper 2000, AVP, Wolfenstein, these are the games we were talking about on the Jaguar in Series 4. Rayman's the only new release here. And the only reason why I say that is sad, because, I, you know, I said I would have preferred the Mega Drive one to have had some of those classic releases. The Mega Drive one is like, here are five brand new games that you can get for this system now. This list here reads like, these are the only good five games you can get for this Jaguar. And here we are, end of 1995, going on 1996. They say the chances of being around next Christmas are slim. They're worse than slim. Because Mm. if we travel back slightly, layoffs, layoffs and insider rumours started around November of 1995. The word on the street was that Atari had stopped development, it had stopped manufacturing the Jaguar, and was basically just trying to get rid of stock. And going into the new year, Atari were like, nah, we're we're cool, we're cool. Hey kids, Atari Jaguar 2 is on the way, the Lynx 4 maybe? I don't know. We're doing stuff. But key Jaguar developers, people like Voltage Software and Beyond Games were like, yeah, we're not actually hearing anything from atari anymore they've stopped answering our calls they protect they cut they kind of close the curtains when we go over they pretend they're not there and then during financial filings at the end of the first quarter of 1996 that's when the bombshell dropped so two to three months on from where we are in the timeline its revenue was down to 14.6 million in 1995 that was over half of what it made in 1994 and then the nuclear bomb dropped of the Jaguar because from 1993, when the Jaguar was introduced through to the end of 1995, Luke, how many Jaguars had Atari sold? It weren't many. 100 
and 25,000 units, approximately. To put that in perspective, when uh, Michael Katz was brought in from Atari to head up Sega of America in 1991, maybe it was 1990, he was tasked to sell 100,000 units of the Mega Drive or the Genesis in, in America and he only managed 50,000 in that first year. And then Tom Kalinsky came in and then completely re, you know, uh, re, and then completely blew the whole thing up and made everything amazing. But like Michael Katz selling the 50,000 units in that first year was a huge and massive failure and disappointment. It's not that far off from what, from what the Jaguar did across a handful of years. Kind of gets worse. How many units do you think they still had in inventory? Oh, man, I bet you it was fucking loads, isn't it? Because no in Atari. 100,000 approximately so almost you know kind of like within twenty-five thousand units of their total sale that's what they had left we are looking at et version two here that's it except it didn't end up in a landfill in a railway car it was sold on to tiger software who i don't know if they're related to tiger electronics and the little handheld bleepy bloops but i kind of want to believe they are because that would just feel very very appropriate and that was it that was basically by the end of 1996 the private liquidator had just taken it all on and then by 1998 the atari name and all properties had been sold to hasbro god like the atari story is it's it's deja vu over again isn't it because you mentioned et the story with et is that when they had the game they made a they made a copy for every atari that was sold in america plus double on top of that for every new atari they were going to sell off the back of et and they did not not everyone who owned an atari bought et and no one bought it new either with a new atari or anything like that and that's why they all end up in that landfill such a sad state of affairs and actually here in the you know the in the future they're talking about the jaguar 2 which i find fascinating because you know this is the buyer's guide of 96 so it was probably written in november december of 95 and it was in november of 1995 that they had already decided that jaguar 2 was not going to be finished we were not going to release it we are scrapping the whole lot because we're not even going to carry on with the jaguar and yet here they are doing that front you know upfront thing to the press and everything being like no 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 the future of the tari jaguar is bright it's beautiful go and buy a copy of model combat 3 that won't be available it just to wrap up what they say about here. They go, Atari have the Jaguar 2 nearing the end of its development cycle, and it should be out for Christmas and cost around 150 to 199 quid. Wap wap. It will be backwards compatible with all your Jag games, and they will work on it. There's also a virtual reality headset in development, but there are no firm release dates set for either of these. Out of all the consoles, the Jaguar is the one struggling the most right now. Ain't that the truth? And the two things they list here as games to watch out for are Mortal Kombat 3 and the Rocky Horror Interactive. Which did eventually come out, not for the Jaguar, unsurprisingly. In fact, it didn't come out until 1999. It came out at the turn of the millennium. It took four to five years of active development. And yeah, it was originally announced for the Jaguar CD and the PC and was originally planned to be published by Atari Interactive. But it was actually the Jaguar capsizing and failing miserably. Plus that then closing down their newly formed PC division, it left the Jag version unreleased and the PC version shelved until 1999. And it's amazing because 
there was, I mean, there was a cast in this. Not only was Richard O'Brien involved, Christopher Lee was involved in this thing. And it was kind of, it was a, it was a, it was a point and click following the plot of the movie. And I have never played it, but since I saw it listed here and decided to dive around and see what it was like, I am kind of thinking, oh, oh, okay, let's have a bit of a look at that because it does look like it could be a little bit fun. Uh, they write here about the verdict. The Jaguar has been crucified by a lack of decent games. Ain't that the truth? Still isn't taken seriously as a next generation console, and Atari have got a real struggle on their hands to make it any more than just an also random the console stakes. Unless more great games come out sooner than the Jaguar is in danger of disappearing altogether, which is a bit of a pity because it has proved it can handle some impressive stuff. Yeah, our first 64-bit system, which was kind of, you know, it was a big prize at the end of Series 3, ended up being quite the turkey. But Luke, it did give us the Games Master Gore special. There's always that. We'll always have that. And when you look at the games to avoid, there are at least a couple of titles here where I'm just like, wow, not only can you avoid them on the Jaguar, there's at least three other platforms you can avoid some of these titles on. Yeah, Fever Pitch, Power Drive, Club Drive, Ultra Vortex and Super Burnout. Uh, I mean, in fairness, that Games to Avoid list could be mostly the games that are on the Jaguar. Like, Cybermorph should probably be on that list. Yeah, and, and a t- uh, Ultra Vortex is yet another one-on-one beat-em-up. It was the second fighting game released for the Jaguar after Kasumi Ninja and was received about as well. He's back. He's here. He's in the Super Mario bundle. This is one, two, three, four, five Mario games and the Super Nintendo. So it's bigger Mario, better Mario, all the time Mario. Five Mario games in one pack. And everything to play for around (laughs) $99.99. You can't get more Mario than this. Hey, that's Valkyrie. Does he design the games? No, he executes them. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Where will you find Britain's biggest choice of famous name PCs? It's got everything. PCs, printers, everything you need for your PC. Games business software and educational software over 1200 titles where you can browse in comfort yes i can drive before i buy and they can install the software for you and help you upgrade for the future very helpful they're experts where at pc world with their low price promise and everything you need for your pc unbeatable there's nowhere else like it pc world So here we go, the big Games Master Guide to Buying a PC. And this is kind of where we were talking about the Amiga prices earlier, and sort of like it's a nice cheap alternative because these prices are, well, pricey. You know, there's one here that's 600 quid, there's one here that's 850, there's one here that's 1200, and then there's the P90 Multimedia that's 1400 quid. But like as you mentioned earlier, are also adaptable these are going to last you a number of years and going by the fact that they include the phrase multimedia all of these will include at guideline prices a cd-rom as well as a floppy drive and speakers and a monitor so you're not needing to get much in the way of add-ons i mean they do list a lot of different add-ons uh joysticks mainly joy pads which for me the joy pads were like Twitch, the joy pads were iffy right up until we went to USB. So right up until, you know, that became standardized and we started to get more kind of PlayStation knockoffs and whatnot that just plugged and played. But you are getting a fully featured machine and it's a games machine. It's a word processor. It's a school machine and it, it can do anything you throw at it within reason and within the software. So whilst it's expensive, if you added, say, the cost of a dedicated word processor to the cost of a PlayStation, to the cost of, I don't know, a decent set of speakers, because, you know, most PC speakers are actually going to be better in sound quality than standard 14-inch portable TV ones. You're probably not actually looking at that much of a price disparity for the mid-range PC, although, whew, a Pentium 90, shocking. <laughs> I mean, uh, we were a, a household that was lucky enough to have a PC as well as a console. You know, I had the Mega Drive and then eventually I had the PlayStation as well. But we had a PC and that I just, uh, for me, it was a case of there were some games I preferred to play on PC than I did on console and vice versa. Don't really want to be playing Street Fighter on my PC, but I will be playing it on my PlayStation. Don't really want to be playing Command and Conquer on my PlayStation because I'll play that on my PC. So it is a hell of an investment 
and one that I think a lot of people are going to be taking up in 1996 because Windows 95 is making it so accessible for everyone. And we talked about the upgradability of the PC because 1996, and I don't, I actually... We will probably touch upon this in the next series, but 1996 saw the launch of 3DFX's Voodoo graphics card. That is when we're actually getting not the first 3D graphics card for the PC, but the one that broke the bubble, the one that went mainstream. And the one that I I remember my first PC that I built myself had a 3D graphics card in, and it worked similar to the uh, Voodoo graphics card. In fact, I think it might have been a Voodoo 2, so it was actually the successor to to this one. And that was, you had a 2D graphics card, and you had a 3D graphics card, and you took the output of the 2D graphics card, and you put it into the input of the 3D graphics card, like a little dongle daisy chain, and then that was the one that went out to the monitor and it was just this idea of like oh no you had to have separate cars to do separate things whereas now it's like it's all in one you know everything's all in one but yeah it it completely changed the game of personal computer and 3d graphics and it basically put the pc slap bang nose to nose with the playstation and the saturn and within a very very short space of time could actually push it beyond the PlayStation and Saturn quite easily. Oh yeah, when I think of Blade Runner, the the point and click game, that for me it feels like that's a PC game. It's not a PlayStation game, it's not a Saturn game. That is a PC game and like it looks so much it looks so good on a PC. Not our PC because our PC wasn't really good enough to do all the full motion video stuff, but hey, it still looked impressive. And that 3D graphics card is coming tail end of 1996 into 1997. 1998 we get Half-Life yeah, bloody hell, that's so soon, Half-Life. I cannot believe Half-Life is so close in our timeline. And Half-Life never came out for the PlayStation. It wouldn't get a console release until the PS2. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a PS2 game in the end. Yeah, wow. What an exciting time to be alive. But oh, some of these games, Luke. I mean, we've seen them. We've seen some of these on other consoles and platforms already. But for a lot of these, these are the way they're meant to be played. Yeah, Duke Nukem 3D, that's the way you should be playing it. Command and Conquer, I think that's the way you should be playing it. Less so Mortal Kombat 3, uh, but Doom and Crusader No Remorse. Like, Doom on the PC, it's just so at home there. They're right about the future here. The machines just keep getting more powerful and more affordable. The PC CD section of the video game market is the fastest growing sector and CD games now outsell Mega Drive and SNES games with ease. The most versatile machine around, it could do more than play games if you really want it to, the PC will just keep getting bigger. And boy howdy, is it getting bigger. Look at these games to look out for. Quake, Zed, the Bitmap Brothers Command & Conquer beta, and the 3DO version, well, the PC version of the 3DO game Space Hulk. Which I would not play on the PC, but I would play on the PlayStation. Yeah, I think I played it on the PlayStation as well. Now, Quake is one where you didn't need a 3D graphics card to play this. In fact, I know on the family PC that we got would have been, I guess, ninety late 96. It was a Pentium 166, I remember that much. That could run Quake and it could run it really really well and it's why when quake reappeared via game pass uh late last year i just sat down booted up quake 
and muscle memory carried me through the first level, through the first secret part where you, where you get the armor boost and the health boost. And that was purely down to the fact that I played that game to absolute death on the home PC. We were a big Doom household, but once Quake came out, it felt like a massive game changer. And while I still stuck with Doom, my brother got massively, massively into Quake. He feckin' loved that game. I got more into Quake through Quake 2, um, particularly that PlayStation port of it, which is remarkably good. Mm. Uh, but I, yeah, the first Quake is incredible. I think what got me with Quake in the end was it coincided with me working and spending a lot of time at the Internet Cafe. And that was that and Red Alert were the big LAN party games. Plus with Quake, we started modding the hell out of it. There was Quake, there was Killer Quake, there was Ultra Quake. There was all these ones that combined different weapon mods together. And I always remember there was a weapon in Killer Quake called the Blood Drainer, which was a weapon where you shot someone and they'd, it would take off a little bit of health but then it would leech the health off them. And basically they would have to find a health pack to stop it leeching them all the way to zero because it was capable of eliminating a full 100%, if I remember. Mm. And that was just one of the most sadistic weapons you could use because it's like, I'm not just going to kill you instantly. I'm going to give you a chance because immediately they're going to stop attacking you because they're like, I need to find health. Great times. Great friendships forged there. Uh, they write the verdict here. PC prices are coming down all the time. A low-end machine is already amazingly cheap, and the high-end monsters become more and more affordable every month. The PC can do everything the consoles can do, but the consoles come nowhere near to what PCs can do at their best. PlayStation and Saturn games are now appearing on the PC as well. Thus, of course, you can justify your dad buying one by showing him all the educational and utility software for it. If you can afford one, get one. Smart, smart words. So... You've got the option there of either buying yourself a PC and investing, or you can turn the page and get yourself... A 3DO. Yeah, Panasonic 3DO with Starblade for 200 or with FIFA for 200 depending on whether you want the Panasonic 3DO, which I think is... One of the best looking consoles of this generation because it just looks like a classy bit of hi-fi equipment. That's the one I've got. Or the Gold Star 3DO, which looks like it sounds. Yeah, and it comes with FIFA, but it's also 199 quid as well. Um, they, got, they actually haven't got a lot of add-ons here, just the Fight Stick Pro for it, which is uh, about 30 quid. When it comes to the games they recommend, though, you've got Space Hulk, Killing Time, Return Fire, Need for Speed, and Wing Commander 3. Now, that Space Hulk there, they were talking about that on the PC as a game to look out for. Have you seen, or did you see, rather, the trailer for the new the new Warhammer 40k game, Bolt Gun? Yes, I think I did. Yeah, the one that is just sort of like, it's essentially if a warhammer 40k game had been made in the 90s but it is released now like the video the trailer for it is sort of this like it's it's a guy sorting out all of his old for 40k yeah, stuff yeah, yeah 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 and it's all the old 40k boxes and stuff like his space marines and his chaos marines and all this sort of stuff and then he picks up a bunch of floppy disks of this game called bolt gun and it looks so exciting i'm so in for it it is completely trading off our generation's nostalgia and luke i'm here for it i do you know what? i was messaging i was messaging angela from hobby nights about this because she's a big warhammer girl and like i said to her like 
this is my Warhammer. This is the Warhammer that I remember. Like, if it's not this, it's Necromunda a couple of years later. But this is my era of 40k. It's the one I remember as well. I kind of dropped out of it by the end of the 90s. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Bolt Gun. Plus, there's at least a couple of games, I think, coming exclusive to Game Pass. And that's just there for me then. Mm-hmm. Very difficult to ignore. Uh, titles to avoid Crash and Burn, Jurassic Park, Balls, bloody hell, poor Balls, Flying Nightwear, and Offworld Interceptor. Cannot agree more about that Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park on the 3DO is a shockingly terrible game. Complete tangent. We actually haven't really done many tangents this episode, so let's do a tangent. Would you like a key scene in Jurassic Park ruined for you? Oh, for Dominion? No, no, this is the original. Oh, right. Sorry, okay, yes, go on then. So one of the most iconic scenes for me, one of just those scenes of raw terror, is when Lex and Tim are feasting on the banquet and Lex sees something in the distance and the spoon's there and the hand's trembling and the jello's trembling. What did Lex say about herself earlier in the film? Oh, she's, um... God, what is she? She's a vegetarian. She's vegetarian, so she can't have that because it's, it'll be gelatin. Maybe it wasn't the raptor. Maybe <laughs> she was just like, oh God, pig. <laughs> I can't eat this. I, I did mention this to my partner earlier and they did say it could have been, you know, uh, vegetarian jelly that did exist in the 90s. I was going to say, and like, you know, Grandpa would have sorted that out because he would have known. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Yeah, they, Karen, they were there. They... Grandpa would have sorted that out. He got top chefs. There was no expense spared. There was no expense spared to make the place look good, and that's exactly why he put two kids there, just to basically make the lawyers go, oh, but the kids like it. You know, it could have worked. Um, what isn't working, however, is the 3DO. They're right here with the future. The 3DO company has just sold its 64-bit M2 technology to Matsushita in Japan for $100 million. They are planning to unleash it later next year, and early signs are promising. Of course, by then they will have to compete with Nintendo as well as Sega and sony and interestingly it was it was that deal for the m2 that actually killed the gold star relationship with 3do as a standard because they were like well we can't make the m2 so why would we make your current console gold star weren't the only ones to to abandon ship because by the middle of 1996 a number of the most loyal kind of production houses that were still backing the 3do basically went now nah, we're done. We're not making any more games for this system, including the software division of the 3DO company itself. That is, that's shocking. It's like, not only are you losing your EAs probably and a bunch of the other bigwigs, but your own in-house software team are just going, eh, maybe not. Yeah, it's, it's a sad state of affairs for the 3DO. You know, what was sort of seen to be as the big release of Series 4 was so quickly overshadowed by the Saturn and the PlayStation. And... You know, we haven't seen much of it in Series 5, really. You know, what was once the Golden Goose is now just this big forgotten piece of history. I mean, the games to look out for, the future games, Wing Commander 4. I love Wing Commander 4, but I've never played it on the 3DO. That was a PC DVD-ROM game for me. That was one of the games I got with my uh, DVD drive when mm -hmm. I built my first uh, PC for myself. Return Fire, Maps of Death, which were 100 extra levels for the best two-player game on the 3DO. That's Games Master's words, not mine. And then Snow Job. They're right here. A dodgy title, but this adultish interactive adventure from Studio 3DO is aiming to titillate 
and shock. Would you like to hear the synopsis for Snowjob? Because it did come out. I mean, I have read it already, but I will let you read. Moider, drugs, sex, gangs, guns. Welcome to the Big Apple. Your name is Jock Lamonte. Let that just sit for a while. Jock Lamonte. A retired New York cop, you are living peacefully in New Mexico when you find out your ex-girlfriend, Lara Calabrese, assistant DA of the city, is on the hit list of a notorious mob boss who goes only by the name Snowman. Wasn't that the name of the driver? That that was um the bandits, mate, in Smokey and the Bandit. That was um that was that was the guy that sang Eastbound and Down. The Snowman. <laughs> Probably not the same guy, but it's up to you to use your wits, guts and charm to save Lara and put away the evil of New York City. And it was basically a point and click first person adventure. On the 3DO, you do shock me. Yeah, I know. Absolutely shocking. I'll be honest is I do. I do wonder, did they did they just go for that just for the kind of like, well, snow? I mean, I get why it's called Snowjob when when you read the synopsis, but also... You could have called it, I don't know, the Snowman Cometh. You just still had some innuendo, but it would have been a bit more tied in. Yeah, I, I think Snowjob is a bit more... It's enough on the nose, I think, that, that it, can, it does what it needs to do. The verdict says, After a shaky start and some very dodgy software, 3DO is emerging to become the fly in Sega and Sony's ointment. It's just refusing to lay down and die as a lot of people expected it to. Now the prices have started to drop and the quality of software is starting to rise, the 3DO is enjoying a bit of a comeback. Long term though, the future is still looking dodgy until M2 arrives in force. Chances of being around next Christmas average. (sighs) Hey, do you know what? It's good to have ambition and it's good to be optimistic about these things. Narrator, the 3DO was discontinued by the end of 1996 with a complete shutdown of all internal hardware development and divestment of the M2 technology. Which brings us on then to the two big boys of this buyer's guide, kicking off with the PlayStation. There's only got one bundle available for it, which is this PlayStation on its own, 300 quid. With a demo disc. They should have put the demo disc in because it does mean you've got something to play straight out of the box. It's very true, actually, yeah. And with the add-ons, I've got the link cable, which you'll need to do two players on things like Wipeout and Doom and things like that. The mouse, the smart card, the action replay, and the memory card. The memory card, for me, is actually one of the big essential purchases that you'll need, particularly for some of the games that will be coming out later on this year. It, it's basically impossible to really use a PlayStation properly without a memory card. To I the point so, where, yeah. even if it's a half-capacity one, there should be one bundled in. I It actually irks me a little. One thing I'll say is, while it's a very small capacity, the Saturn does have some built-in save memory. It's a very Sony thing to do, to not give you the memory card. Yeah, I, I see you there, magic memory bullshit, <laughs> or what they did with the magic gate on the Vita. Oh, yeah. Uh, games to recommend the top five games Doom, Mortal Kombat 3, Tekken, Wipeout, and Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal's a nice little surprise there. But of course, like, you know, Doom and Mortal Kombat 3 and Tekken are the unsurprising ones. And only two of the five are really playable on other platforms primarily. I say primarily because 
you know, Wipeout did get a release for the Saturn and the PC, but they were PlayStation first titles. Yeah, and they'll be out later this year as well. Uh, the titles to avoid Road Rash, Raiden Project, Power Serve Tennis, Kiliak the Blood, and Nova Storm. Nova Storm actually was a 3DO game. That was a challenge back in Series 4. Yeah, there's quite a few ports in that one to avoid. So really, not much in the way of first-party software to avoid, but a lot a lot of kind of early shovelware or let's just kind of like slap it across. And I would say the future they've written here, this is probably the, I mean, it's the most positive of the future little bits of text that they write here outside of the PC, I would say, uh, where they say, if there ever was a system that the phrase, the future's so bright, I gotta wear shades, was made for, this is it. With the might and power of Sony completely behind it, the PlayStation is heading for the sunny heights of world domination. Expect games on it to get bigger and even better next year. And those games they're talking about, they're future games to watch out for. We've just talked about it on an episode of Games Master. Resident Evil, Blood, Guts, Action and Zombies in Capcom's first non-Street Fighter game for a while. Alone in the Dark style cinematic viewpoints combined with hot graphics and completely gratuitous gore make this our tip for next year. That's for me. I mean, it's completely true. With the exception of them saying it's Capcom's first non-Street Fighter game for a while. I find that to be a bizarre thing because Capcom have made quite a few games that weren't Street Fighter, one of which is listed two games down. I think I see what they're getting. What they should have said is first non-Fighter game because Capcom were primarily... I mean, there were some non-Fighting Capcom games, but their, their meat and veg, you know, their bread and butter and meat and veg were the fighters as is exampled by the one you mentioned dark stalkers street fighter with monsters only better and funnier well the coin-up was a smash and supposedly this is going to be arcade perfect no it wasn't so it should be a corker when it comes out yeah and the other one here is adidas power sports soccer forget fifa and actua this looks to set to take over the premiership title next year superb texture mapped polygon players combined with great animation and more importantly gameplay out this one above the pack so far i think i know what sentence they were going for there yeah it, it took me a few times to read that i'll have edited them all out but i mostly got it there yeah, I do love seeing phrases like texture mapped polygons. And I'm thinking, did I know what that meant in 1996? Because I sure as sh- know what it means now, because nowadays we all know what texture mapped polygons are. Luke, you know what a texture mapped polygon is, don't you? Of course. But when you read it in 1996 and, you know, like me, you're 11 years old, it just sounds really cool. Makes like me, it makes it, processing. Exactly. It makes it sound like the sort of thing I can then say to my friends at school and they'll just they'll make me sound like I'm super smart. Did it work? absolutely not Uh, the verdict here they write is it's here and it's not going away with worldwide sales of over 3 million and rising take note jaguar the playstation will rule the roost for months until nintendo have their say at least it's a great system which has a lot of great games for it and some even better ones on the way it's on a lot of people's shopping list this christmas including ours interesting note before we move on to the, the the final i guess point because let's be honest we're going to talk about the playstation a lot over the next two seasons same with the next one i would have put that at the end of the bias guide i'm amazed it's not the last one especially because they proper do the dirty on the poor old sega saturn
They don't even get his bloody page banner right. I was about to say the page banner for it says 3DO. I mean, to be honest, prophetic... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> There's a few more bundles here for the Saturn, though, than there are with the PlayStation. Your standalone one is 300 quid, but you can get it with Virtual Fighter for 349. But that's a Dixon's uh, deal, I believe. Um, no, hang on. The Dixon's deal, I think, for Saturn with Virtual Fighter and Victory Gold and Clockwork, 9379. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then the Comets deal for Saturn, Virtual Fighter, and Daytona is 369. The game offer for Saturn, Virtual Fighter, and Victory Gold plus Extra Controller is 37999. So, yeah, I think if you dig, dig around into that, you can find a bundle that you probably would want to go for. Pricey they may sound, but some pretty good games in there. Particularly that Dixon's deal is very tasty. Virtual Fighter, Victory Gold, and Clockwork Knight. Yeah, or. I mean, even the game one is quite nice with the extra controller. I I don't know. I'm if I liked Virtua Fighter, I would probably go for the Comet version because it's Virtua Fighter and Daytona. That's true. Yeah, I think the game one is good because it's like they're two big multiplayer games in Virtua Fighter and Victory Gold. So having that extra pad is probably really good for that. However, it is also probably worth, I guess, taking a step back and looking at the amount of bundles available for the Saturn versus the lack of bundles available for the playstation now you could say well the saturn's been out a little bit longer so maybe that's why but realistically they didn't need to bundle the playstation it was selling itself yeah they they were just like we can sell the playstation as is and people will buy extra games whereas they're looking at their saturn stock and their saturn inventory and going we need to make something work here so that's why we're starting to get these bundles already it's a very dour indicator we had that towards the end of Series 5, though, didn't we? Like, some of those reviews were just like, oof, Sega Saturn's not looking pretty good, is it? Like, this is the this is the game that Sega Saturn really needs at this point. Uh, it's a sad state of affairs with the console that feels like it's only just arrived in our timeline, and we're already talking about it as if it's the next 3DO. Well, I mean, the banner line doesn't lie. It kind of is. <laughs> exactly. Although not quite the next Jaguar. No, no, absolutely not. The add-on that jumps out to me here, though, is this universal adapter from Daytel. 25 quid because, writes here, jealous because all the good stuff comes out in Japan or America before we get to see it? Well, fret no more because with this device, you can play all those Japanese and US games on your machine. Now, I the reason I wanted to point this out because I've got a universal adapter for my Saturn um, when I first got mine uh, when I was at university because I wanted to be able to play my Japanese import of X-Men versus Street Fighter. It, it was a key piece of technology, something that would come to the PlayStation eventually via use of the I.O. port on the back of the PlayStation. But here we are. Saturn had it pretty much out the gate. I find it interesting that they say you can play all those Japan US games on your machine and talking about how they get the good stuff first. And then they mentioned the Virtua Stick, 40 quid, the Saturn's equivalent to the brilliant arcade power stick for the Mega Drive. Except Japanese version of that power stick, brilliant stick. Definitely the European version, absolute shit. I've got one, and even taking into account the relative age of it and, of course, you know, wear and tear, it's like trying to control a game with a flan. It's not good. Well, at least you can get a good recipe for it from Games Master. There we go. Uh, the top five games recommended here, Sega Rally, Virtua Fighter 2, Virtua Cop, SimCity 2000, and Theme Park. Like... Look, don't get me wrong, I love Theme Park and everything, but man, like Theme Park doesn't scream to me like a big Saturn title. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can get that on the Mega Drive. Yeah, three first-party games, all of which absolute bangers, and then two PC ports. Hmm. Yeah. 
when it comes to the titles to avoid, unfortunately, Primal Rage finds itself listed here again, along with Digital Pinball, Mist, Gale Racer, and less sci for me street fighter the movie which i didn't own on the saturn but i did own on the ps1 and in fairness et is cack oh it is very very cack it is one of the first times i truly experienced buyer's remorse hey do you know what it could have been awesome though because it nearly has mega man and arthur from ghouls and ghosts in the game they were planned to be in there and scrapped at the last moment. Plus, it gave some extra paid work for the stunt doubles. Yes, because, well, some of the actors showed up for sets. Not not all of them, but, but some of them did. They were, contract- them. they were contractually supposed to do it, but just some of them didn't do it. Or didn't do all of it. Yeah. I'm fairly certain that when you do look at it, you can see a couple of moves which look like they are different people. Yeah, looking at you, JCVD. Uh Gamesmaster here writes of the future. Despite receiving the trouncing of its life by the PlayStation, the Saturn is still alive and kicking in the next generation war. The recent release of Virtual Cop, Sega Rally, and Virtual Fighter 2 show that it's more than powerful enough to produce some cracking games. And the news that Sony games are appearing on it as well make it seem that the Saturn is here to stay. One of them is listed here as a future game to look out for in Wipeouts. So yeah, that comes out in I think a couple of months' time in our timeline. But is inferior for a couple of reasons, one of which is 3D, not the Saturn's forte. Also, soundtrack was licensed by Sony from Sony-owned labels. Is that appearing on the Saturn? No. No. Uh, And the other game to look out for is Virtua Cop 2. So when it writes the verdict here, after taking a hammering at launch, the Saturn is now settling into a high-selling niche. There's no doubt that the weight of the Sega's arcade license will continue to push it forward, but Sony's presence is making it hard for Sega to dominate the market in the way they like to. With the inevitable price drops next year, the Saturn is going to prove to be a strong competitor to the PlayStation. So that's an interesting point there is that, yes, while the Saturn is being trounced by the PlayStation and that will continue until the end of its lifespan, they're going to be doing some huge, huge price drops throughout 1996, which might make it a fairly appealing product to pick up because it's going to be fairly cheap to do so. Yeah, I find it interesting that they call it a high-selling niche machine because they used the title for the 3DO up the top and we've kind of made that joke. But also there is a touch of the Neo Geo around this because Hmm. if you look at some of the games that transferred the best to the Saturn, and I'm talking about the fighters, the Capcoms, the you know, the some of the Sega arcade games, but basically it was an amazing powerhouse for 2D machine when in the right hands. Yeah. Much like the Neo Geo. Well, I mean, you mentioned Tom Kalinske leaving Sega earlier in this episode, and it was, you know, falling out over the Saturn that pushed Kalinske out the door because he wanted it to be this big 3D machine. And he was working with some big names on making this this big 3D machine. But Sega of Japan were like, no, 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 it's going to be this way. We're doing it in-house and we're keeping this as a 2D thing. Then they made this 2D machine. Unfortunately, 3D games blew up. So they're now trying to force this square peg into a round hole and make this 2D machine do 3D games. And as you know, what you mentioned there, Wipeout isn't as good on the Saturn, but what it excels in, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, what the Saturn excels in are those 2D beat-em-ups and those 2D fighters and 2D platformers. Rayman's wicked on the Saturn and X-Men vs. Street Fighter and X-Men Children of the Atom are wicked on the Sega Saturn. And that is 
kind of yeah i, I think you're right there so comparison to calling it the next but the next neo geo is actually pretty apt and actually a more affordable one as well and we've still got some time with the saturn left on games master but you look down some of the games that were scheduled to come out for the saturn and never did virtua fighter rpg which was in development and that eventually became the flagship game for the next sega console with you know the dreamcast which while still you know struggled at the hands of the playstation to me is a vastly superior console i mean i love my dreamcast i love think the dreamcast, dreamcast is absolute great console uh whilst the saturn did have knights which i think is a very very cool game very very unique very very original certainly in design if not necessarily in gameplay it never had a sonic uh they were working on sonic extreme which was given to an american-based team the sonic um the sega technical institute sti which is not a great acronym. No, it was supposed to be this big STI game. Like it was supposed to, you know, coincide with the release. I know, right? Coincide Catchy. with the release. <laughs> coincide with the release of the the live action movie and stuff. And poor old Chris Sen, he drove himself to such poor health to make Sonic Extreme that never eventually came out. Poor lad. And like it's crazy to think that Sega go through an entire console generation without a big sonic game like it's sonic r is and sonic 3d which is available on the smegan mega drive sonic jam yeah which well. is which just a collection of the old mega drive games yeah like they didn't have and- that big new sonic game that i think that the console really could have done with i wonder i mean okay they were they were they were fast passing around with 3d and all that stuff i wonder what a 2d sonic game that used all of that Saturn 2D power could have been like. I tell you what it would have looked like. It would have looked like Sonic Mania. Like when you're Sonic, not wrong. When Sonic Mania came out, it's what a lot of Sega fans were like. Were like, or Sonic fans were like. They were like, this is what the Saturn Sega game should have looked like from the get go. But they were, as you mentioned, fartarsing around with 3D and trying to make Sonic work in a 3D world. When really, what they should have been doing is making a banging 2D game like they did with Sonic Mania many years later. But the final word, in fact, the final words of this buyer's guide, chances of being around next Christmas, good. Mm, And the Christmas after that as well. But also good so even in games master's mind it's a case of it's well, it's not a dead cert one of those guys they wrote for the playstation definite they wrote for the 3do average uh they wrote for the pc definite like you know kind of like wrapping up our thoughts on this the way that this buyer's guide is put together it is telling you get yourself a pc get yourself a playstation that is going to see you through probably until 1999 and they were bloody right. And they were right, really. Honestly, they were. And, you know, I get my PlayStation a few years after this. I get it in mine in 19, Christmas 1990, well, December 1990, because I get it for my birthday. And that PlayStation hung around with me until then I got my PlayStation 2. And I had a buttload of games for my PlayStation. And I never regretted it as a, as a purchase because it was just this incredible library of games. And it was always just seeming to be like another amazing game coming out the following week. I still have my original ps1 yeah same here it only works hung upside down because it did suffer from some lens tray distortion and whatnot yeah mine after a few months you had to put on its side in order to get it working yeah mine also has a mod chip installed in it or did which was uh that was an eye-opener for me because that was when i'm suddenly like oh hey japanese copy of tech n3 oh hey puzzle fighter 
Yeah, my uncle, uh, arrest him. He um, he got me on like all the the import stuff and the one we have to like. They basically gave me a little coil because you can mm. so you can prop the lid up. So you have the disc, you know, run a UK disc in there so it boots the system up, and then it stops that. You take the disc out and you can put in your Japanese or American game in or your actually as he kept doing me pirated games in and then it would just spin that around and play that game instead yeah there was just you used to get um the little expansion card dongle and a lot of the time if you got them from the right place they would come with a spring that's what it is in that's the box it. with it and it was just a case of no it convinces the playstation it's lid closed yeah so you do you, you basically put the coil in to make it feel like it's closed and then spring it round into the bit of plastic that would show, would tell the playstation that it is closed mm. It felt very, very dodgy, but also I felt very cool because I was the only kid in school that had one. It, it racked up the cool points. <laughs> but, you know, I thought I really enjoyed going through this bias guide. I think it's very, very interesting to kind of look at where we are in our gaming landscape in 1996 and then, you know, therefore going into 1996 and kind of what we can expect Games Master to look like when it's coming to reviewing games and kind of based on this it is going to be predominantly playstation and pc with a smattering of saturn games in there i don't think until doing this with you i was conscious of how very narrow banded the game playing landscape became for the general populace i mean we've still got the nintendo 64 in our future as well let's not forget that we have some listeners that won't let us forget that but because i was a playstation owner and because i had access to a pc those were my options anyway. I did just assume that, you know, there were other things, much like during the 16-bit era, but really there wasn't a huge amount. Sony were ruling the roost. The PC was being established as more than just a beige box, even though it would take a few more years to stop being a beige box. Now you can't buy a beige PC for love nor money. It's like it's all blacks and, and silvers and and you know, Windows. Why does my Windows machine have a window, Luke? I can't tell you, mate. No. I mean, you're a Mac user. You wouldn't know. No. No. But, but then again, I don't have any USB ports. You've got two? No, I've got the um, the Lightning ones. So I've got to have a USB. I've got to have... Yeah, but I, yes, but I can't. I've got to buy an adapter to plug in standard USB things into it. Like this microphone ah. that I'm using. Oh, well, that would be listed under accessories in the <laughs> bias guide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, £7.99 on Amazon. But it has genuinely been absolutely fascinating to just look and see where kind of our main journalistic source for this podcast, by choice, was at the start of 1996. And also really to see how absolutely bang on the money they were. It's the thing I'm going to be really keen to look out for when we get into series six because while i have watched ahead i i need to kind of like go back and re-watch and, and redo my notes because i'm trying to remember this at the moment but like yeah i think it is gonna be playstation pc n64 and some arcade stuff i'm gonna be so curious to see how much saturn coverage there is and whether or not saturn is gonna feel like the mega drive of series five and i because i don't think there'll be anything saturn related when we get to series 7 which will definitely be playstation n64 exclusive and likewise i i mean while i've watched the episode and i've made notes i've not actually looked at the magazines yet and i'm very curious to see where the print world sits what news and opinion pieces and most importantly i think to get the proper context at the time the letters page are we going to get letters in from people being like i'm a saturn owner 
can I expect to see this? Like we had with those Jaguar owners and the 3DO owners back in Series 5. And are we going to get what we expect of the Games Master crew responding, which is, ah, wankers! <laughs> uh, well, we'll find out as we dive into Series 6, though that is still a little, not a little way off yet, but it'll be a few episodes off yet, because next week will be our big wrap-up episode of Series 5, tying a nice little leet bow on there. Then we've got a couple of bonus episodes coming out in our downtime, in our between seasons. Now, if you are a Patreon and you are listening to this episode... On the morning or daytime of the 21st of June, go and check Patreon now because we're not just doing our normal season wrap-up episode. We are live streaming this. We are going to do it the same way we do UCN, but it won't just be open to Patreons. It will be open to any of our listeners. So we'll be taking the feedback you're already sending in. We'll be taking some audio clips that have been sent in. But also, as we give our final thoughts on Series 5, we'll be able to add your live thoughts in. We've never tried it before. It could be a f***ing disaster. But, hey, we got to mix things up. Games Master has mixed things up. So are we. We are also born again, if you will. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be next week or today times weird uh but thank you all so much for listening to this bonus episode as i said we've got the wrap-up episode then a couple of other bonus episodes that we are working on before we get into series six but we really do want to hear from you uh get in touch with us on social media on twitter at under console pod on instagram at under dot console and you can send us an all-important email electronic mail to feedback at under consultation.com and if you want to interact with us in real time with other listeners in real time with other fans of retro gaming and retro kind of junk in general pop culture that's the word you can join us on our discord details of which can be found in the show notes where currently i've just found out via the abyss that apparently sean has gotten a blowjob from a penguin <laughs> the abyss scares me uh, and if you want to support this podcast monetarily you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash under console pod where you get access to ucp extra which is this show format but about other shows from the 80s and 90s and that monthly community show ucn under console nation and at the five pound level you will get next week's episode one week early and ad free but at the 10 pound level you get a little bit extra ash what do they get at the 10 pound level they get our ucp patreon backers pack which contains all the shiny golden mug of wonder filled with retro sweeties retro trading cards retro badges retro stickers lots of goodies in there and a shout out to those 10 pound backers xanderthal william tom the amazing cliff simon sean sarah aka pink lithium richard reese nick misha matty boom mark link kevin jamie ian harry it's Manga Girl, Gordon Dempster, Gordon Brands, David Palmer, David Fisher, Darkside 73, Chris C. Two Sticks, Beat the Games Master, Arcadia Wild Bill, Andy, Andrew, and Adam D. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next week for the wrap up episode of Series 5. Take care, everyone. Good night.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.